I want to open the word. We're going to continue a series uh, called Jesus Hour, and we're filling in the blank. And uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Jesus, our Savior. Do you know that the, the, the chief goal of Jesus in coming to the earth was this, to save those who are lost. We found it in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. It says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, of whom I am the worst. I don't know what Paul's deal was, but he always had to be the best or the worst. I guess he just has to be first in everything. And uh, he says, I'm, I'm the worst. But this is the reason that Jesus came. The reason that he came was to save, to seek, and to save those who were lost. Why did Jesus come? He didn't come just to be on the front lines of history. Jesus didn't come to make a name for himself. Jesus came to save those who were lost. I want to go now uh, to Mark chapter 5. Today I want to talk about uh, this, this attribute of Jesus. Jesus was a Savior. He is our Savior. Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our healer. Did you know that the answer for the world today is Jesus? He's the healer. He's the healer of our nation. He's the healer of our families. He's the healer of our bodies. He's the healer of our minds. We need a Savior, but He loves us enough not just to save us and leave us. He also is our healer. I'm, I'm going to read a massive chunk of Scripture uh, out of the Message Translation and to, to just give you an idea of the context uh, of this story. And I believe from this story you can pull all kinds of different principles of healing that will really make a difference in your life, in your faith journey, uh, and as you believe God, even for miracles. Mark chapter 5 Verse 21 says, After Jesus crossed over by boat, a large crowd met him at the seaside. One of the meeting place leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell to his knees beside himself as he begged, My dear daughter is at death's door. Come and lay hands on her so she will get well and live. Jesus went with him, the whole crowd tagging along, pushing and jostling him. So I just want you to get this Jairus was first. All right? You're going to hear about someone else in a second, but Jairus was first. He said he's got a problem. Jesus is on the way. Now a woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years, a long succession of physicians had treated her and treated her badly, taking all her money and leaving her worse off than before, had heard about Jesus. She slipped in from behind and touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, if I can put a finger on his robe, I can get well. The moment she did it, the flow of blood dried up. She could feel the change and knew her plague was over and done with. At the same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said, who are you talking, what are you talking about with this crowd pushing and jostling you? You're asking who touched me? Dozens have touched you. But he went on asking, looking around to see who had done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling, knelt before him and gave him the whole story. Jesus said to her, daughter, you took a risk of faith and now you're healed and whole. Live well. Live blessed. Be healed of your plague. But while he was still talking, some people came from the leader's house and told him, your daughter is dead. Now listen, this, was, this is Jairus. He was first. So while Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, he gets interrupted with the woman who needs a miracle. Jesus, 
out of his heart of compassion, takes time with the woman. While he's with the woman, Jairus' daughter dies. He says, don't bother the teacher anymore. Jesus overheard what they were talking about and said to the leader, don't listen to them. Just trust me. If you don't get anything out of this message today, you just take those words and write them on your, put them on your phone, put them on your windshield, your mirror. Don't listen to them. Trust me. He says, he permitted no one to go in with him except for Peter, James, and John. They entered the leader's house and pushed their way through the gossips looking for a story. Now listen, this, this is the message translation. This is a paraphrase. And, uh, and, and just, it's interesting. He says, look, the gossips looking for a story and neighbors bringing in casseroles. <laughs> Little comedic relief in the message translation. Like Jesus was erupt. Why all this busybody grief and gossip? This child isn't dead. She's sleeping. Provoked to sarcasm, they told him he didn't know what he was talking about. But when he had sent them all out, he took the child's father and mother along with his companions and entered the child's room. He clasped the girl's hand and said, Talitha Kuum, which means little girl, get up. At that, she was up and walking around. This girl was 12 years of age. They, of course, were all beside themselves with joy. And he gave them strict orders that no one was to know what had taken place in that room. Then he said, give her something to eat. This passage of scripture is incredible, uh, and it also is a very clear picture of a lot of our own journeys with God, his miraculous power, and the healing power of Jesus. If you separate these stories out, it's awesome. You got Jairus, he comes to Jesus, Jesus is on his way, Jairus' daughter ends up dying, but Jesus shows up, heals his daughter, all good. Great story. If you take just the woman of the issue of blood, it's a great story. She's sick for 12 years. She comes through the crowd. She touches Jesus' robe, and she's healed immediately. But the, the truth of the context of the passage is that it's all one, which means Jairus is so worried about his daughter that he comes to Jesus, says, I need a miracle, and while he's waiting for Jesus to get there, this woman interrupts him. So Jesus, I mean, I, I like to picture it probably like Jesus was taking his time too. I don't, I don't, I don't imagine Jesus was like, all right, you're healed, you're good, all right, I got to get to Jairus' house. I think Jesus was like, so tell me about your childhood. <laughs> Twelve years, my goodness, that's a long time to suffer. How's John doing? And you know, he's just conversation. And Jairus, in the meantime, is trying to be polite. Jairus is trying to like not... Worry too much when all of a sudden in the distance he sees his servant running towards the crowd. Can you imagine the thoughts going through Jairus' mind as his servant comes running up and he says, don't bother, don't bother Jesus anymore. It's, it's, it's too late. Imagine the, the avalanche of emotion when Jesus, the answer, was on his way. You were close, but you missed it. I started thinking about this. When, when you talk about healing, it's sometimes, and maybe this is just me, sometimes it feels unfair. When you think, I know he heals. I know God heals. I know God has the power to heal. But then you have your own experience of life, encountering sickness or knowing someone struggling with disease or, or mental illness or anxiety or depression, and you see these things and, and you just, God, why? Why haven't you healed them? Why do we pray for some people and they get healed? Why do we pray for others and they don't? Why are some people delivered instantaneously and some people walk through a 12-year process of deliverance? Why? I don't know if you ever asked the question. I, I, I've got two boys. 
seven and five, Jude and Jen, and um, they're incredible, but they really have the concept of fairness down. Any other parents, you probably get this as well. It's like, you cannot give something to one without getting something for the other. We were, Jamie was gone, and she was teaching at a Bible school in Hawaii. I think there was a Bible school there anyway. She was gone for 10 days, so I'm hoping there was a Bible school. Um, and I was home with the boys, and, and we, uh, I need to see some video evidence, actually, of the, of the Bible school, and that come to think of it. Um, she came back with a tan, all relaxed. I was like, Bible school? Um, so we took Jude and Jen to the store. We went to Target. And uh, I'm like, you, can, you know, you can pick out some toys. And um, they're like, well, how much do we have to spend? I'm like, I think dollar. And they said, mom gives us five. Uh, oh, does she? Every time you come to Target, she goes to Target like 17 times a week. That's like, that's, that's why we're in the position we're in. They go, yeah, mom gives us five each. Five each? Ten dollars times 17 times. What? I said, well, you got a dollar. Dad, you can't even get anything at Target with a dollar. I'm like, we'll we'll find something. Put your money together. You can each get a pack of gum. I mean, we got... And, and so Jude picked out some. It was a little bit more than Genesis. And, 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 but they each got something. And, and, but they can add it up in their head. And they're like, that's not fair. Right? I'm like, you each got one thing. But that was more than this. And now they're giving me a lesson on fairness. And so I, I just started thinking about this. Sometimes when I think about the power of God or I think about healing, it really, it honestly doesn't feel fair at times. It's, it's, it's I believe like you believe, I pray like you pray, and you see a result and I don't. Or you've been in Jairus' position where God's been working in your life, an answer is on the way, and you feel like something, someone interrupts what God is doing. Someone interrupts your progress. Someone interrupts your miracle. Someone interrupts your process, and you're stuck wondering what could have happened or what would have happened or what should have happened if everything would have went right. And this is the story of Jairus. He's grieving. Jesus wasn't done. Jesus was still on his way, but he was interrupted. And I I just started to think about Jesus as our healer. And you can't read the Gospels without understanding that Jesus is a healer. Over two-thirds of the Gospels are devoted to the healing ministry of Jesus. Two-thirds of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are devoted to talking about the physical miracles of Jesus' life and ministry as he walks along the, uh, along the earth. In Matthew chapter 4, it says this, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing how many Every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Jesus is our healer. God, in his love, And his desire for relationship, he sent Jesus to die so that we can be restored relationally. But his compassion for us did not stop at salvation. He said, I also want to to heal them. This is for me and for you. This is emotionally. This is physically. This is spiritually. In every area. In fact, the Bible uses this word, the Greek word sozo, talking about being made whole or healed, which is not just salvation. It is made 
whole, made complete, body, mind, and spirit. All of us being made whole. This is God. Jesus is our healer. Jesus' physical healings were vivid displays of his compassion for humanity. That God cares about your physical condition. He cares about your mental condition. He cares about what you care about. We know this from the scripture. The Bible says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Jesus as our healer. I was praying this week. I just started thinking like, okay, if, if, if Jesus is our healer, then we, we have to know this, the answer to this question. Can, can he, can Jesus heal? Does he have the power to heal? And most of us, all of us in the room, you're already like nodding your head. Yes, we know he can. Can Jesus heal? Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. I want you to know something in, in the very beginning, the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve first sinned, that's when sin entered the world. When sin entered the world, that's when sickness entered the world. I know when you talk about healing, many people have different experiences or backgrounds or theological constructs of what healing is and how it works and who it's for. But I want you to just know this, there was no need for healing before there was sin in the world. This is before the curse. When Adam and Eve sinned, it unleashed the curse on humanity. And we now are steeped into sin. We need a Savior, but we also, for the first time in creation, now there was sickness. There was disease. There was infirmity. The Bible teaches us that Jesus became a curse for us, redeeming on the cross, redeeming us from the curse of the law, which means that whatever has been put on us in sin and in sickness, Jesus died so that we would have an answer or a way out of those things. He's our Savior, and he's also our healer. If Jesus can heal all, then all can be healed. This, this is not like, well, you can, but you can't. You can, but that's a tough case. I don't know. You've been good. You've been bad. If Jesus can heal all, then all can be healed. So this is the next question. Can Jesus heal? We believe Jesus can heal. This is the real one, and this is where the fairness comes in. Will Jesus heal? We know he can. I mean, for many of us, it's a no-brainer to think about. Can Jesus heal? Yes. But then this is where we're caught in the tension of our theological construct and our experiential knowledge, which is now... Will he heal? Will he? Will, will he heal my body? Will he heal my mental condition, my emotional condition? Will he? There's no record in your Bible of Jesus ever turning a person away without healing them. You, you cannot find it in the life of Jesus where he says, ah, not you. You cannot find a record in your New Testament of Jesus where he said, uh, Man, that didn't work. There's no record of failure. There's no record in your Bible of Jesus putting sickness on people. Can I just help you theologically for a moment? God's not making you sick. God's not putting sickness on you. God's not judging you for your wild teenage years by giving you a condition that you have to live with now. 
In fact, the Bible teaches us that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came. He says, I came that you might have life and that life to the full. So anything that's trying to steal from me is not God. Anything that's trying to kill me is not God. Something that's trying to bring me life and life to the full and freedom and healing in that life is him. And people live under the weight of condemnation and shame, thinking that a condition that they're experiencing either emotionally, mentally, or physically must be God's judgment on their life and God's will for them to suffer. Can I tell you that Jesus suffered once and for all so that you don't have to suffer in the same way? It does not mean that we will not go through difficulty or have ever have our bodies affected or our minds affected by sickness or disease. It means that in the midst of that, there is now an answer. Where there was no answer, there has become an answer. So can Jesus heal? Yes, we know he can. Will Jesus heal? We know that his desire is to heal. So let me just help. And you might not agree with this right at the beginning, but it's okay. Just hold on to it for a second. It's not God's will for you to be sick. It's not God's will for you to be diseased, diseased. It is not God's will for you to be depressed. It's not God, some of you are like processing this, like, but what if I am? It's okay if you are, because this is the great news. You don't have to stay there. Now, for some of you who are saying, well, I've already tried this. Pastor, I've been struggling for years. I've done everything right. I'm going to talk about this in just a minute because this is, not, this is not about us getting the desired end that we want when we want it. This is about trust that God's will for us is to be healed. This is about trusting that God's heart for us is good. This is about trusting that Jesus can and Jesus will. If Jesus was willing, then Jesus is willing. I got people tell me sometimes, like, well, you know, Jesus did all those miracles, but then it was over. Like, once he ascended, like, the miracles were over. And, and that's, that's difficult for me because I've seen people get healed. And if I've seen people get healed, if you've seen one person, if you've heard one testimony that you believe of someone encountered, encountering healing, then guess what? It's happening. You, you can't say it doesn't happen and have one occurrence of happening. If it's happened, then it's happening. It's happening. In, in, in our text, it's, it's, it's interesting how Jesus navigates this story and he walks through. And I want to give you just a couple things that I think are really important for understanding and, and really experiencing Jesus as our healer. And this is something Jesus was really passionate about. Jesus was passionate about the atmosphere. The atmosphere. Now, some people are like, doesn't, the atmosphere doesn't matter. It's about God. It's about his power. It's, well, Jesus cared about the atmosphere. He cared about it a lot in this story because when Jesus walked up on the scene, people were eating casserole. Y'all, y'all remember church potlucks? Man, they, oh, man, I grew, 